Well, he remembered her marvellous appearance last year at Covent Garden in the part of Brunhilde. He had gone to town for a rejuvenating visit to his dentist, and the tarsomeness of being betwixt and between had been quite forgotten by him when he saw her awake to Siegfried's line on the mountain top. Das ist keiner man, Siegfried had said, and to be sure that was very clever of him. For she looked like some slim beardless boy, and not in the least like those great fat frows at Bayreuth whom nobody could have mistaken for a man, as they bulged and heaved even before the strings of the breastplate were uncut by his sword. And then she sat up and hailed the sun, and Georgie felt for a moment that he had quite taken the wrong turn in life. When he settled to spend his years in this boyish maidenly manner with his embroidery and his china dusting at Rhizome, he ought to have been Siegfried. He had brought a photograph of her in her cuirass and helmet, and often looked at it when he was not too busy with something else. He had even championed his goddess against Lucia when she pronounced that Wagner was totally lacking in knowledge of dramatic effects. To be sure, she had never seen any Wagner opera, but she had heard the overture to Tristram performed at the Queen's Hall, and if that was Wagner, well. Already, though Lady Ambermere's motor had not yet completely vanished up the street, Ryzen was gently closing in round him in order to discover by discreet questions, as in the game of clumps, what he and she had been talking about. There was Colonel Boucher with his two snorting bulldogs closing in from one side, and Mrs. Weston in her bath chair being wheeled relentlessly towards him from another, and the two Miss Antropuses sitting playfully in the stocks on the third, and Peppino at close range on the fourth. Everyone knew, too, that he did not lunch till half-past one, and there was really no reason why he should not stop and chat as usual. But with the eye of the true general he saw that he could most easily break the surrounding cordon by going off in the direction of Colonel Boucher, because Colonel Boucher always said, Oh, hum, by Jove, before he descended into coherent speech, and thus Georgie could forestall him with, Good morning, Colonel, and pass on before he got to business. He did not like passing close to those slobbering bulldogs, but something had to be done. Next moment he was clear, and saw that the other spies, by their original impetus, were still converging on each other, and walked briskly down towards Lucia's house, to listen for any familiar noises out of the Mozart trio. The noises were there, and the soft pedal was down just as he expected, so that business being off his mind, he continued his walk for a few hundred yards more, meaning to make a short circuit through the fields, cross the bridge over the happy stream that flowed into the Avon, and regain his house by the door at the bottom of the garden. Then he would sit and think. The guru, Olga Bracely. What if he asked Olga Bracely and her husband to dine, and persuaded Mrs. Quantock to let the guru come? That would be three men and one woman, and Hermie and Ursie would make all square. Six for dinner was the utmost that Foljambi permitted. 